Good morning, NNC family out there. This is week number two. You listening from home. Maybe you already just listened through the podcast um, as a norm already, but for all of those that are usually sitting in the service, in person, human to human, uh, I just wanted to say hello to you and uh, that we love you. Dawn and I are praying that we are thinking of you, the church, constantly and just caring for you guys. And uh, we haven't gone really a moment, moment by moment, we're thinking of who um, is uh, in need right now, who might need something, and how can we pray for them. So we've just wanted to let you know that we care and that God's going to get us through this. We believe that, and we are here with you through that process. And so I just want to just pray quickly, if each of you could do the same right there in your room. I just want to pray just quickly, Lord God, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We pray, God, for an answer in this time for your people. We pray, Lord, that this thing will end quickly. Lord, that there will be, Lord, strategies, that there will be an answer, God, for your people that there will be an answer, Lord, for us, that you will keep us safe and protect us. I pray for this church, that you protect this church. I pray that you protect their families, protect their property. Lord God, through this entire thing, right to the other side, Lord, we're going to come out and we're going to see the rainbow, Lord, on the other side of the storm. In Jesus' name, we pray. So if you're here with me and listening, even though you're in your home, I want you to be alert. I want you to put aside your cell phone, uh, unless you're listening through your cell phone, but put aside the texting while you're listening and watching something else. Don't be reading something else at the same time. I want you to focus, and I want you to be with us as if we're here in person. Pretend that this is a church service and give your attention, even though I'm the one speaking, not to me, but to the Lord right now. Just give your attention to Him, and um, I believe the Lord's going to speak to you this morning. Uh, this is an interesting thought. I mentioned this last week. It's funny right now that what we're facing in this time is an invisible enemy. And I mentioned this just quickly last week, and I just wanted to mention it again and go into this thought a little bit deeper, expound on it. It's ironic that people are becoming weak in the knees about an invisible enemy. They're becoming weak in the knees about an enemy they can't even see. People are running frantic. People are becoming fearful. And they're trying to prepare in any way they can to not only avoid this invisible enemy, but also to be prepared to withstand a time where they don't have to go out and face this invisible enemy. In other words, they are making preparations, people are making preparations right now to protect themselves from this invisible enemy. Enemy. And the reason I think this is so ironic is that what people don't realize is that we have an invisible enemy all the time. 
four, seven, three, sixty-five. There is an enemy. His name is the devil. And he has a legion of demons, legions upon legions of demons that are working constantly without rest to steal, kill, and destroy. Yet I have a question. How many know that? How many know that there's an invisible enemy that is after them all the time? And out of those people, how many care? And out of the people that care, how many are doing anything to safeguard themselves from that enemy? I wish that people were just as concerned about where they will spend eternity as much as they are concerned about where they will spend their quarantine. I wish people were just as concerned about fending off this invisible enemy, the devil, and his tactics as they are right now to fend off germs. I'm deeply grieved because I fear that many do not take seriously the things that really matter, but they are so concerned with meaningless things, and even on the surface, what we're facing seems serious, but in comparison to our eternal choices is nothing. What we see right now is nothing compared to the choices we must make that has to do with our eternity, and I'm grieved because while this is a wake-up call that most people are not prepared for natural disasters, most people are not prepared to stay in their home if they have to for weeks on end, most people are not ready for a sickness that is out of their control to suddenly control their community. But what we must realize as Christians, and if you are listening, if someone has asked you to listen to this and you are not a Christian, is that we have uh, an invisible plan in front of us. An invisible eternity is waiting for us. It will be very visible and very real one day, but right now we can't see it, we can't feel it, it doesn't seem tangible, so we disregard it and we must not do that. We must look and plan and, and, and be about what Jesus said, the Father's business in this time. We must be taking heaven seriously. We must be taking this seriously that the enemy is trying to do everything he can to keep us from heaven, and if he can't stop you from getting to heaven, then he's going to do everything he can to rob you of your peace in the meantime and try to make this life here on earth uh, as difficult as possible and make you suffer through the entire process. And many people don't even realize what is happening, but it's the enemy behind uh, the the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, pulling strings and working in the unseen all the time, and yet we have no idea. M many people have no idea that that's what's going on in the unseen.
But it is very real. You don't have to believe me, but it is real. It is just as real as this virus that we cannot see. And if it wasn't for microscopes, we'd never be able to prove what's been happening to people. But we can only see with modern technology what previous generations could only wonder was happening. The person was sick, and that's all they could see. But we can actually see what was not able to be seen before. And the Lord will open our eyes, just as there was technology revealed, technology was developed and made to be able to see into the unseen. We must ask God to help us to see our enemy, to see him coming, to see his plans, to see his purposes. And his plans and his purposes, he works in distractions. He works in fear. He works in worry. He works in a false security. He's going to try to get you so focused on this earth, so focused on this earthly time, so that you have the most comfortable, most peaceful, most... Uh, uh, heaven-like experience here on this earth, which is not real. That will disappear just as the morning fog comes and disappears. In the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 4, it says, Dear friends, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. And I just put a comma here and added in my own line, and I took some license so it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. And I said, comma, or the things that can kill your body. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you or the things that can kill you. Those are things that we can see. Those are the things that we can be aware of. It says they cannot do any more to you after that. In other words, after you're dead, they cannot do any more to you. They are on a plan. Uh, there is a plan, rather, and they are on track to try to work out their plans. This is the enemy against you to destroy you. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. So it says in verse 5, but I tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, he's the one to fear. So what this verse is saying is that there is an enemy that may try to kill you. Or there are things that may kill you. But we don't fear those things, even though they are real, uh, even though uh, we may not know how or when that will happen. We know that those uh, things are happening in the unseen. You must realize they are happening in the unseen, and even what you can't see, your body is decaying uh, from the moment you're born. It's growing, 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 and then decaying, decaying, decaying. Even though you can't see it, that's what's happening. But we put our hope in God because He has given us security through Jesus Christ in heaven. And so we must realize that things can change in a second. Just as Luke says, don't fear death because God can give you life. We fear God. He has the power. God has the power. And we're not going to be thrown into hell because we have respected that fear while we're alive. We've respected him 
and we have given him honor. We've given him the respect that he's due as God. We have repented of our sins, and we've been forgiven of our sins. We've been cleansed in the blood of Jesus, and we've been given a place in eternity. But on this earth, things can change in a second. There's absolutely no certainty in this earth. I wish I didn't have to be so blunt, but the only certainty in life is death. The only thing certain about your life is that you will die. That's why even though our human bodies are presently on earth, heaven is our real home, not earth. So I have a question for you today, just considering some of these thoughts that I'm beginning with. Just considering these thoughts, I have a question. Have you finished building your ark in time? We read in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and if you're following along with me, you can grab your Bible, you can hit pause if you need to, and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and last Sunday... When I was home with my kids in our living room, because we couldn't be in church, I felt compelled to open the Bible and just read this entire chapter to them and spend time with them in his word. And it says here in Matthew 24, I encourage you to go read that whole chapter, uh, read 24 and 25. It's an eye-opening chunk of scripture that Jesus spoke to us. And he says in verse 32, learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know that Jesus' return his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. What things? Well, if you're reading chapter 24 on your own time, you can read in from verse 1 through verse 32 where I picked up from today, and you will see that the Lord spoke about many things that will come on this earth, and he says that all these things will take place. And verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. So what Jesus is saying is you can actually look, just like we do as humans right now, at the buds coming up at springtime, and the flowers are just starting to bud, and the ends of the branches that were so dead all winter are just starting to sprout forth with new life. Their buds are just starting to grow into leaves. And Jesus said that even though... We're going to see uh, things happen. Uh, we're going to be able to look and know that, okay, his time is coming. Jesus is coming soon, and it's clear. And, uh, and I know that 
things are going to change and even finally that heaven and earth will disappear in this time. But I'm going to cleave to Christ because he is the word made flesh. He said the word, my words will never disappear. So even though we can see the time and things will change rapidly when we see that, we know that his word will never disappear. We anchor to him. He said, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. I want you to pay attention right now. I believe you already were, but if you were kind of dozing off or you're kind of listening Please pay attention right now, because I want to be really serious with you. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, verse 38, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. It says people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. What we find here is that Jesus is referring to what I just, some of the thoughts that I started with, that there were a people before and there will be a people again who are not ready for the things that will come on this earth, but ultimately they're not going to be ready for the return of Christ. It says, continuing in verse 39, that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. I want you to look with me. We're going to continue in chapter 24 of Matthew in a few moments, but I want to look in the book of Genesis at the story that Jesus is referencing. I think Jesus said enough. If you know the story of Noah, I think it's very clear what he's saying. And if you don't know the story, um, I think you should turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6 and listen. If you do know it, just listen along to these verses that we know well. And let the Lord bring this story to life and make Matthew 24 become even more uh, relevant and alive. It says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. He was sorry he made man. Sorry he made mankind. He was grieved, other translations say. And it's such a sad verse to read here. Genesis 6, 6, that God was sad that he made humankind because they... Everything they thought or imagined was consistently evil. It broke his heart, it says in verse 6. 
In verse 7, And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But verse 8 says, But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Verse 10 says that Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. I think it's easy for us. We don't like to think of God's judgment, and God is not going to send a flood again. He promised us that with the promise of the rainbow, but read the book of Revelation, the things that are coming uh, with uh, things from the heavens, things from inside the earth, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, uh, wars, diseases, etc., it will not be a good time to be alive when these things continue to unravel, but it says that Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah was righteous, and if you're sitting at home, I want you to say that out loud, that Noah was righteous. I want you to say this, Noah knew God. So it says that God observed all this corruption, verse 12 in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. I think it's easy for us to see right now as we look at so many things, things that we've actually become used to. There are things that we've become used to that we should not be used to. There are things that are absolutely disgusting that we have become completely and totally accustomed to today as normal. And I don't usually in my sermons point out particular sins because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you think it's a little white lie or if it's a mass murder. Sin is sin, and only the blood of Jesus and only repentance can make you right. But I thought today... It was worth mentioning that we have murdered more babies. More babies actually are murdered in a day than this virus has killed so far. That's absolutely atrocious, and that happens every single day, day after day after day, and it's completely normal in this nation and on this earth to kill your baby because it would be inconvenient for you. To kill your baby because you just don't feel like raising a child right now. You felt like doing the experience that brought that baby into your womb, but you don't feel like dealing with the result of that. And I know there are very, very fringe, rare circumstances of things like rape, which is just too hard to understand and have, a, have an easy answer for. But that's a very, very small portion. That is fringe uh, when it comes to what abortion is for. 
90 plus percent or probably much more than that even closer to 99 percent of it is purely because the parent says i can't take care of this child or i don't want to take care of this child and terminates them we see here in genesis that god had observed things like that happening things like that and so verse 13 god said to noah i've decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence yes i will wipe them all out along with the earth it says in verse 14 build an ark i want you to build an ark and i want you to waterproof it in tarred inside and out and i want you to construct its decks and stalls and throughout its interior verse 17 look i'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes everything on earth will die but i will verse 18 confirm my covenant with you why is god going to confirm a covenant with noah because if you go back just a few verses it says in verse 8 that noah found favor with the lord because verse 9 noah was a righteous man so what we see in genesis 6 is a story about a time when the earth was very corrupt but god's people had favor god's people who were righteous and we are only righteous we know through the blood of jesus so god's people who have repented of their sins have found favor with the lord and the lord says that he will confirm his covenant with his people it says so enter the boat you and your wife and your sons and their wives in verse 21 and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals i thought that was a funny verse to include because i don't want to preach about your natural preparations i feel like i've exhausted myself encouraging you to just have some natural things in place some food and some water and i don't think that's just because of what's on the news i think as people and not just as christians just human beings live in an uncertain world we should be ready all the time for things that we don't expect but i thought it was funny that he told them make sure you take on board enough food for your family and in verse 22 it says noah did everything exactly as god had commanded him so we find that in a very corrupt time noah found favor god looked at noah and gave him a covenant noah had favor because he was righteous but god gave noah a strategy he said noah i don't want you to be part of this world in the book of revelation it warns us to come out of the world jesus warned us he said you are not of the world you are in this world but be not of this world you're in it but you're not of it and that's how we come out of it how do we get into the ark 
We must build an ark as Noah was told to do. And how do we get in that place? What is that ark? What does it look like? How do we build it? Well, the Bible gives us a picture of an actual physical boat. I do believe that Noah is a true story. I believe it was a real boat, and I believe he really sailed on that crazy ocean uh, darkness and, and mountaintops being covered by water coming up from in the earth and coming from above and rain and, and all of that. I believe that was real, and he was inside with his family and with the animals. Uh, I believe the Bible is literal, but we as Christians must get into a place in the Spirit. We must get into a spiritual ark right now. It's a place that God has prepared for us. He's given us a strategy. He said, don't be part of this world. Come out of this world. Get into a place. You need to build a place. You need to spend time with me. Get into your word. Get around other believers. And right now we're going to do that digitally. But get on the phone with believers. All right. In the future, you're going to be in, in people's basements and in their living rooms praying with them and in churches again praying with them. But right now, you're going to get on the phone with other believers and begin to pray. You might have to get on FaceTime or get through Skype or whatever your media is and uh, begin to pray together and to begin to build something uh, like an ark that can protect you in this time. We need to get into a place that is his presence. The presence of the Lord was the ark. It was really the presence of the Lord that Noah had. He had found favor with the Lord, and the Lord personally covered him. But Noah had to build it. So even though the Lord did it, Noah had to build it. How do we do that? We must build our relationship with the Lord. The Lord gives us a strategy. He says, repent of your sins. Jesus did the job on the cross with the blood, but God gave us the strategy. And just like he told Noah, I need you to build an ark. We must build a relationship with Jesus. And we have to realize that this took time. Potentially, we don't know the exact amount of years, but it took potentially up to 120 years for Noah to build this ark we must take the time, and it doesn't matter how long it takes, and maybe for you right now, you've got more time than you feel like you wanted to have to spend uh, studying and praying, but you've got it now, that's for sure, and it's time to spend that time with him, begin to build an ark, which is building a relationship with God, because if you will build this relationship with God, the ark... When the floods come, you will not be taken with it. It says in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat. So he said, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat. Many of you listening out there have been preparing for this time. Now, we didn't know what it would look like. We didn't know what the virus would be called or what nation would rise against which nation, and we don't know the exact timeline, and people think they've got it figured out. God, Revelation and Daniel figured out to the minute, 
And I just don't think that that's true, that we see that clearly. But I think we have glimpses. I think like Jesus said, we look at the fig tree and we can see that things are starting to shake and things are starting to change. But so, so many of you have seen the writing on the wall for a long time and you've been preparing and preparing and preparing. And, and I'm not talking about stocking your basement with water and toilet paper, but and hand sanitizer, but you've been preparing with the Lord. You've been spending time with the Lord, and you are not afraid, and you're going to just go into that place that you have built with Him, and you've built it, and you've built it, and you've built it, and you've built it, and it started with one nail, with one piece of wood, and with a hammer, and it's the cross. It started just like that at the beginning with a simplicity, with Jesus come into my life. I want to know you and it began to be built and you began to study and you began to spend time with the Lord and now something is built something you can rely on it's waterproof it's protected it's under the feathers of his wings and you can get into that place Christian and ride this storm out now I have to give a disclosure there's an amazing miracle about God and I mention this in church all the time That with God, there is no time. So if you are listening to this, and you see these things beginning to happen outside, and you're just wondering, what is all this? I hear this conspiracy, and I hear that conspiracy, and uh, my friend said this, and my mother said that, and the news says this, and Google says this, and now this conspiracy theory is removed, and I don't know what's happening out there. Let me tell you something. You don't need to know the ins and outs of what's happening on the outside. All that matters is that you know what's happening on the inside of your heart, and that is the Lord is knocking on your heart. The Lord is knocking at the door of your heart, and if you will open your heart to him, he can bypass time, and he can help you quickly, very quickly, build a place to be protected. This is the amazing thing with God, that some will have less fear, because they know, they spent that time, and they gathered up each piece of wood, and it was time with the Lord. It was prayer each morning. It was scripture after scripture that they just labored over to know their God. And so they might have less fear than you. But let me tell you something right now. It's not too late. You need to get into that place quickly. You need to make this place with the Lord settled immediately. I want you to listen to me out there. If you don't know Jesus, it's time to get on your knees and repent of your sin. It's time to push aside all of the things that have distracted you, every fear, every worry, all of your pride. Begin to repent to the Lord for the life that you have lived without him and ask him to help you to build an ark to to be able to fare this storm. Because it says in the book of Genesis, go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. See, it's the righteous that will be saved. I didn't write the Bible, and I didn't choose God's story. God's word is God's word. I choose to believe it, and I choose to preach the word for what it says, for the truth of what it is. And the Bible says that there was a time that killed 
every single living person alive, but the righteous ones, they lived. And I'm not saying that this silly little virus, I'm not saying it's silly in the sense that the people that have died haven't really died, but I mean in comparison to eternity, in comparison even to the book of Revelation, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is nothing. But those that trusted in God, those that listened to the Lord and listened to his warnings and did not build a kingdom on this earth, but build a, they built a, it's, it was a movable. They would move with the spirit of God. The ark could move with the waters. It could move with the storm. It was not anchored to this earth. It had no anchor to this place, but it was able to move among the storm, and its anchor was within. It was knowing Jesus Christ. It says, verse 4, seven days from now, I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights. There's going to be a season of rain. There will be a season that you will be stuck inside that ark. But if you will stay in that place and you will trust the Lord and you will not open and try to jump ship and just trust God and lean on God, God will save you in this time. It says in verse 5 that Noah did everything as the Lord commanded. And I want to say, I want to add to that, of course he did, because it says he was righteous, because he trusted God, and that's why he had favor. And because he had favor, God gave him a strategy. God gave him a plan. God gave him the way out. And come on, the Lord has given you a way out. It's you knowing Jesus. And even if you've known Jesus, but you've been fooling around, you may say you know him, and you might think, well, I've been going to church, and, and I've been reading my Bible occasionally, and I think I've known him, but now you're suddenly wondering if you really know him. I'm not trying to shake your eternity. I'm not telling you you're going to heaven or hell, but I want you to get on your knees just as I told those who don't know him to get on their knees and begin to ask the Lord to wipe away the days that you just lived for yourself instead of living for him and ask the Lord to make the, you, make the best use of the time that you have left on this earth. It says in verse 6 of Genesis chapter 7 that Noah was 600 years old when the flood covered the earth. He went on board the boat. He went on the ark to escape the flood. He and his wife and his sons and their wives. I think that's an amazing story. And if we look again at Matthew chapter 24, we see this. That Jesus said in Matthew 24, just reading this verse again, verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. So now begin to think about what that means. Verse 38, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings. And what Jesus is saying is he is not opposed to banquets or parties or weddings. But all that was happening was that people could care less about God. They were just living their lives. They were going about their day. They were doing things as they saw fit and figuring out their own lives and, and planning their retirement. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with those things, but they were all without God. 
and they were surprised when God, who uh, had been warning of this flood, suddenly brought it on the earth. Even though Noah was there every day building this ark, and people could walk by and see what he was building each and every day for 120 years, they still just continued on. What I want to warn you about today, verse 39 says, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. See, they didn't realize until the flood came. If you wait to make things right with Jesus, and if you know Jesus, if you wait, uh, if you go and you have your fun and you're doing this and you're doing that and you say, the Lord knows my heart, and I just need to go get through this season, and I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to really live for him. I'm going to really, that's when, then I'll spend some time with him. If you keep putting off your relationship with Jesus Christ, you keep putting off the things that he has asked you to do, there is a plan and purpose in each of you, and if you keep putting it off, I promise you it'll be just like this verse that one day you're going to look, and it's going to become a rainy, muddy, mucky mess on this earth there'll be chaos there will be a mess and it will be too late to get your things in order there is a time for us to prepare and it is now it is so late the hour is so late i'm warning you out there listening to this that the hour is so late I'm not saying that Jesus is coming tonight or tomorrow, but there's no reason that he couldn't. He could come before I even finish speaking these words. Jesus could be there saying, it's time. Who has prepared, let's go. It's time to head into eternity. And those who have not prepared, uh, there is a uh, way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. So I want to encourage you listening to this, encourage you. Now is the time, if you have not finished building your ark, to get to work. And God has given us, there is a gift right now. As har horrible as it is on the outside of your home, there is a gift right now that God has given us. If you will look at this time, as a, as a warning of how things can change so incredibly quickly. If you will look at this time and realize that within a moment, your life can be completely upside down, that things are not what they seem, that this world is not it that I, I, I'm such a broken record as a preacher because I say all the time and I, I can't stop it, but this earth is not our home. There is an ark that is made not of wood, but the supernatural presence of God. And there is a flood on the horizon that's not of rain, but it's a plan to destroy all humanity. There's a flood of doubt out there, that uh, of doubting God, of doubting that he exists, of doubting that he judges. There's a flood that doubts that revelation will actually unfold. There's a flood of doubting that Jesus will return. There's a flood of worldliness all around us and of compromise. There is a flood of delusion. There is a flood that will separate people from God. 
There is a flood coming that will separate people eternally from God. And they will be pulled away if they don't listen. Pulled away by their fears, by their distractions, by their own desires. But if we will seek God and get into His presence right now, right now, Christian, if we will get into the presence of God, we will, we can, and we will survive this time. And I see the Lord on the other side of the flood that the door of the ark opened up. And when the ark landed there on the mountain and the flood was over, it says that there was a new earth. There was a new earth that things began to grow again. That when things dried up, there was a new earth. And Christian, you have to see what the Lord is doing in this time. He is not killing people. That is this fallen world. God is trying to save people. Let me say that again. God is not killing people. That's this fallen world. We live in a place that is filled with sin. And sin, the Bible tells us, gives birth to death. So it is not God. It is a result of sin. But God is trying to save us. And he is warning us now in this time to stop fooling around and to be serious in this time and to realize that you have no security in this earth. Do not anchor to this earth. But if you will get inside that ark right now, get inside the presence of God right now when he opens the door, it won't just be uh, into a new earth. It won't be uh, a better 2020 or a better 2021 with with a virus gone. But he will open the door of the ark into an eternal landscape that can never, ever, ever be changed again but it will be an everlasting home of peace and of joy and of hope there will be no sun for the lord is the light there will be no tears for there is no more suffering i thank you lord god i praise you lord god i just begin to pray right now and thank god for giving us a warning he's giving us a a vision. He's giving us as Christians a picture of the uncertainty of this life and that we must be diligent and be about the Father's business. Time is ticking away and we must do what he's asked us to do before it is too late. I bless you and I pray for you and things are going to be okay. Just trust God, trust God, trust God and you're going to make it through. Amen.